Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jenga Ship Edithel, Lauren Oboe Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. We can probably afford another minute or two, and then you know I'll launch into this week in geek, and that will that will. Well, we can we can launch into this week in geek, and he can join us in media res. Yeah, ooh, it's fancy language. I like it. I know, and uh, more fancy language. Hi, I'm Jonathan, and I'm Lauren, and we are Glib Shark. This week, we are waiting on Jack. AKA Jenga ship. He will hopefully be with us here soon. We're actually not waiting on him. Well, no, we're, we're not waiting at all. We're just kind show. of going, well, we're, we're pressing on, but we acknowledge that he could show up at any time. And before we go any further, we need to check in with the lovely, the talented, the amazing Oboe Crazy here to do a little something that we call This Week in Geek. Hi, how are you, Lauren? I'm good. I'm going to do an entire This Week in Geek segment that's basically based on why are you talking about these things from my childhood so first space jam we all remember space jam the michael jordan bugs bunny helmed basketball movie that has become both a beloved cult classic as well as kind of the butt of everybody's jokes about those kind of kids movies well there have been rumors and jokes about a space jam 2 being around for forever in a day and LeBron, LeBron, LeBron James has been attached to it. And then other people were attached to it. And then LeBron, LeBron James has been attached to it again. And now it actually seems like it might be a real thing because Justin Lin is in talks to direct. That's right. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Lin is in early talks to direct a sequel, which would feature LeBron James in an animated live action family tale with the Looney Tunes characters. His partner, partner Andrew Dodge, will write the script. The project is in its earliest stages, but it's something James and fans have kind of wanted for a while. Last year, he appeared in Amy Schumer's train wreck as himself and as I think our own Jonathan Cerna talked about was kind of amazing. Now, if he can actually act that well in Space Jam, he'll be just as good as Michael Jordan was in the original, because let's face it, we all love Michael Jordan and he's awesome. He's not an amazing actor, but he was he was good. That movie holds a special place in fans' heart, but, you know, it's not something that holds up that well, like most stuff from the 90s. Lynn will have to make a movie that builds off the nostalgia from the original and not of the film itself. And, of course, he needs to make it funny, and it needs to be good, and there's a lot of expectations for this thing. But who knows? Maybe we'll get a Space Jam too. I mean, it's not a serious project. We don't have to really worry about being amazingly good it just has to be fun and then there's the blues brothers so the blues brothers was a awesome skit on saturday night live starring dan Aykroyd and john john belushi and then it was a movie and by all accounts a very awesome successful movie one of the few saturday night live sketches that has gone on to be a good movie and so, of course, we want to turn it into a primetime animated TV show, right? Right? Yeah, Dan Aykroyd and Judy Belushi, who's John Belushi's widow, are turning the iconic Saturday Night Live skit into a primetime animated TV show. The one good thing that gives me a little bit of hope is that Bento Box is actually shopping it around. They're the company behind Bob's Burgers, and uh, music is hopefully going to be playing a huge role and uh, we'll see. So uh, Dan Aykroyd in a press release said, quote, 
The series chronicles the music mayhem and comedy adventures of Jake and Elwood Blues, along with the characters within their master's blues band. It's so great to accelerate Jake and El Elwood at digital speed into the 21st century via the outstanding creative group at Bento Box. The show will be the Blues Brothers living in America and utilizing all new technology to make and promote their own records, seek out and record new artists, and avoid law enforcement, all, all the while fighting for truth, justice, and a better breakfast sandwich. End quote. Here's my suggestion. Just go watch the movie because the movie is awesome. It has a great soundtrack and some amazing actors in it and is really, really good. And I guess we'll keep our fingers crossed because... Uh, um, so... We've had movies made out of projects that are good, and some are bad, and some are absolutely horrible. Dragon Ball fans are very familiar with this because they remember Dragon Ball Evolution, which was, by all accounts, probably one of the crappiest property movies ever brought to the big screen. Uh, it came out about seven years ago, and uh, Dragon Ball fan and writer Derek Padula has contacted Ben Ramsey, who actually wrote that movie in the hopes of interviewing him for a book that he's writing what he got back was a giant apology addressed to all fans everywhere which got published on padula's website and it's kind of amazing because it's rare for hollywood people to apologize it's even more rare for them to admit even though we all know it's true and that there's in essence nothing terribly wrong with it that he just did it for a paycheck that's right he wasn't a fan. He did it because it was a job, which shouldn't surprise anybody who's seen the movie. But the apology is amazing. I'm going to read it. Quote, I knew it would eventually come down to this one day. Dragon Ball Evolution marked a very painful creative point in my life to have something with my name on it as a writer be so globally reviled is gut-wrenching. To receive hate mail from all over the world is heartbreaking. I spent so many years trying to deflect the blame but at the end of the day, it all comes down to the written word on the page, and I take full responsibility for what was such a disappointment to so many fans. I did the best I could, but at the end of the day, I, quote, dropped the Dragon Ball. I went into the project chasing after a big payday, not as a fan of the franchise, but as a businessman taking on an assignment. I've learned that when you go into a creative endeavor without passion, you come out with suboptimal results and sometimes flat-out garbage. So I'm not blaming anyone for Dragon Ball, but myself. As a fanboy to other series, I know what it's like to have something you love and anticipate be so disappointing. To all the Dragon Ball fans out there, I sincerely apologize, end quote. So yeah, that's kind of amazing. It kind of sucks that it had to happen in the first place, but it's kind of amazing. And you know what? It's kind of stand up of this guy to, to go out there and say, yep, I screwed up and I take responsibility for that. It took seven years, but hey, you know what? He made the right choice by saying that he made very, very many wrong choices. That's all for This Week in Geek. I'm Obo Crazy, and I really want Hollywood to just leave my childhood alone. The world... <clears throat> sorry. The world is indeed a strange and rebooty place. <laughs> and if you have a fact you want read live and on the air, you can send it to our own Obo Crazy at... OboCrazy on Twitter or roosterteeth.com slash OboCrazy. And if it's good enough, or even sometimes if it's just there, it'll get read live and on the air. I love that my my stories that I read choked you up that you felt so so much. I, I about. was so goddamn moved by by those stories and the apology by the news that Ted Cruz has withdrawn from the uh, withdrawn his presidential campaign. He is he's oh, not running for president anymore. Yes. This is wow. just this is just coming through like right now. This is this is news as it happens, folks. <laughs> Live from our news desk. Updated reports from the from the presidential race. I'm not good at that voice. Wow. No. I mean I, I know we try not to talk too much politics on the show because politics and religion not fun to talk about, uh, but that's actually surprising. I figured he'd be one of those to hold on until the very bitter end, no matter what the stakes. Well, I think that now was the bitter end because Trump just won the uh, Indiana primary, and I think this was this was it. Ah, like, th this was the the final stand, 
and he and Cruz needed to win this and everything else. It's one of those things where, like, if you're if you're playing in a sports series and it's like a best of seven series, and you're down three games, you have to win a game to stay in. And, yeah, and he didn't. So. Okay, so so unless the Republican primary actually goes to pot, it, Trump is the nominee. Right, and and the Republican what, primary. What we're looking at pot. here is like. It, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Republican convention goes. I think ultimately it's going to be pretty drama-free. Uh, Trump is going to get the nomination. But you never know. We could see some some shenanigans or something more interesting. But we'll 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 see. It it's this these are the facts as they're happening and anything more is really just speculation at the, at this point. Trump has won the Indiana primary and Ted Cruz has has stepped down, yeah. which in in other news, Zodiac killings have <laughs> once again resumed in the state of Indiana. You know, OK, you know, in one way, this is kind of funny. And in another way, I actually kind of feel bad for this guy because it is one thing to be a politician and be reviled for your politics. And if you say stupid things to be made fun of for saying stupid things. It is another for people to think that you are a serial killer. And I do kind of feel like, all right, maybe this guy has a resemblance to those pictures, but I do feel a little bad because I'm sure of all of the shit that any politician at that level expects to have thrown their way, having people think that you are a mass murderer? So um, it's a little different. It's not possible for Ted Cruz to be the Zodiac killer because he is... He was born after the killing started. Yes. But that so doesn't stop stupid people from looking at those pictures and hearing the jokes and going, oh, shit. Well, I just, for me, it's, I am in a position as someone who was born in Texas and who looks at Ted Cruz's politics and seeing all the scary fucking stuff that he believes, like mm -hmm. the fact that the earth is 7,000 years old. Yep. He's one of those. Yep. He is a climate change denier and just just the laundry list of of policies that as a career politician, he could see to fruition. Mm -hmm. Like that's the that was the scary thing about Ted Cruz is that he could potentially accomplish stuff. Trump is a blowhard. Trump, I don't think, could get anything done as president. He'll stand up there and he'll talk and talk and talk. But he has never... He he has never done politics, so eh, you know I I kind of agree with you. And uh, the other way is that if if he was to win, uh, mandates are all a president needs. And you know what? If he does win the Republican nomination and then goes on to win the presidency, it, that's it. He is the president, and you have to. As much as there's a lot of people who enjoy treating our presidents with disrespect because of whatever reason on either aisle, it is my firm belief that once you are given that office, you treat that person with at least a modicum of respect. And, and, and you will, but look yeah. at what has happened in, with Obama these last couple of years. With a Republican-controlled House and Senate, he hasn't gotten a lot done. You're also assuming that the Democrats will take at least the House and or I the Senate if Trump to prevent wins him. the presidency. I think you'll see a lot of of elections start going the Democratic way. I think there, I, there will be enough of a groundswell to where the Democratic Party, at least on the state levels, would get their act together and start kicking some of these guys out. I know the two senators from Oklahoma have abysmal ratings right now. Like, yeah. this is the first time they've been under 50%, both of them. So those guys could go. And if those guys could go, if Oklahoma could send two Democratic senators to Washington, that's amazing. Yeah. And that doesn't speak well to, for the rest of the country. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. We, we probably talked a bit too much about politics, and, uh, and, and we can move on. It's fine. But, I think we can all agree... Hey, people, go vote. Go vote. Actually, go vote. I just had my wife walk in and uh, say, we're going on a voting date. Aw, I 
I yeah. love that. So it's gonna it's gonna be a thing. I but can't anyway. quite go on a voting date with Luke just yet. I mean, he did you just get. They his... have to. There may be a few more steps. There's a lot more steps. Yeah, but that's well, okay. A few, a few were being glib. <laughs> there's a by a few we mean all every step yes but yeah we should move on to less controversial topics and i want to now like say game of thrones but we're going to put that towards Where, the end of the show or for those listening about 15 minutes from when we're going to end or basically the last 15 minutes of the show and i'm going to time it we are going to devote to game of thrones spoilers so we will we will give you a sign off if you don't want to hear that and we will give you plenty of warning, but we will spend 15 minutes talking about the show because I, I think this is probably a good way to go f- to do this going forward, um, trying to rope in different guests to talk about the show. Uh, depending on availability is hard. And I think yeah. if we keep it to our little, our little show, I think it'll work out much better, especially since we can talk about each episode in the last 15 minutes. I mean, th- this week we're going to be talking uh, a little bit more because we've had, we have two episodes to cover, but... I, I think it'll work out better. Well, and even if we do like an every other week kind of thing, I'm I'm okay with that. I think that works out really well. But uh, you said, did you want to talk about your game or you want me to talk about my game first? Uh, I'll talk about my game first because uh, mine happened longer ago. So if those of you who follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and stuff, you may have noticed a couple of weeks ago, I was wearing a stupid headset flailing around and, also, <laughs> and Snapchat as well. That was because I got to play with my buddy's new Vive. And I, I won't spend too much time on it because the, since the Vive is out there, there are a lot more VR stories and a lot more accounts of people playing these VR games. It was really cool. It was a really, really good gaming experience. And it was better than I thought it was going to be. I ended up, my buddy has a pretty big house now. So he cleared out one of his rooms and made it his VR room. He's calling it the holodeck, which <laughs> I think is awesome. That's and perfect. he wants to get holodeck wallpaper for the room. But a- anyway, uh, it was a lot of fun. So I, I went into, he's got, he's got a nice little space that, that he set aside for it. Uh, I put things on. I tried uh, Space Pirate Trainer. I tried Tilt Brush, which Tilt Brush was amazing. Tilt Brush was a very cool experience it, it's not so much a game in that it's a creativity engine and playing around with it and like doing some of the others like playing around with the different brushes and everything uh, that that was really awesome it, it was so cool there was one brush it's like a fire brush so like when you paint with it it kind of makes a fire and i was kind of dancing around with it because it made me feel like a firebender from from avatar it was really awesome uh i also played uh, job simulator, which was a lot of fun. I, I wait before see- we before we move on from VR. I I do have one question. I I do also. Well, no, no, say we're I'm- still in VR. Job simulator. Oh, job simulators in VR. Okay. Yes. What you I do is on. you. It, it's a lot like it. It's sort of in the same vein as as the lab and like the aperture science stuff that I'm going to get to in just a second. In that it's a museum that you go to. It's like far flung in the future and it's run by robots and it's basically simulating what jobs were like back when humans did them in in the far past. So you walk in, you put in a cartridge on what job you want to do. Like there's a, a cook, there's a mechanic, there's an office worker and a, oh, what was the last one? A convenience store clerk. So I played the convenience store clerk and the cook. And it's neat. It really is cool. Like, basically, you have to do different tasks, and they apply to the job, but they're super simplified. Like, if you're the the cook, you basically, like, take a piece of cheese and put it in between bread and stick it in the microwave, and it becomes, like, pizza or something. It, it's, it's pretty ridiculous, and it, it's a lot of fun. But I found myself, like, settling in and... And one thing that that was definitely true about all of these experiences is that, like, it definitely felt like you were kind of transported somewhere else. And when you took off the goggles, it was kind of like returning to reality. But the last thing I wanted to talk about, and I think it'll transition into what you wanted to talk about, Ovo, was the lab, which is the Valve VR game. And that was a fucking incredible experience. Like that by far, that was that was the best one because not only does it combine 
like just cool VR games, but it also has the the Valve writing. So like it's got the the aperture science jokes, it's got the the everything going for it. It it is really really cool. There is an archery game where it's like a tower defense. There is a game where you uh, have to repair a robot, which is really neat. There is a game where you are uh, flinging personality cores at boxes and blowing stuff up, which was just awesome. And w- I think one of the most interesting experiences was the, oh, I can't remember what they call it, but basically you take, it's these landscapes generated by lots and lots and lots of photos to render like a 3D space. So like you can go on top of a mountain or you can go into a cave and it's like this whole thing and you can kind of like teleport to different places and like look over cliffs. It, it was Absolutely incredible, and, and by far my favorite experience was the lab, especially flinging personality cores into boxes because it, w- it was a cool game just in and of itself, but also the different personality cores were just really, really awesome. It was so cool. All right, so, Mike, first off, I'm actually glad that you're talking about it because you're right that this is kind of the gaming news that everybody's talking about, and certainly a couple of the gaming podcasts that I listen to that's a, that's been a main topic for over a month now. However, unlike traditional video games, VR in general and VR games in specific are not something that you can just go watch a video and really understand or get the full appreciation from. So I think stories like yours uh, and you talking about your experiences are super important to understand what this thing really is until we somehow figure out a way to have VR everywhere. I don't know. Um, so my, my question is, it sounds like you had a fabulous time and you really enjoyed your experience and it had a lot of really fun games. Um, would this be something you would do all of the time? I'm not sure. I can't answer that question. Because one thing that I did notice was that I got really tired. Like, even doing Job Simulator, like... It's, it's a game, but you're still standing there as if you were doing a job and going through the motions, very much like a, like a real job. Like, I've been a cashier before, and working the, the convenience store one definitely made me feel like a cashier again. But, and that's, that's not, not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that, well, it, it's, it was fun because I, I didn't have to actually stay at the job. I could just quit whenever I wanted. It was great. I could throw <laughs> things at my customers. It was awesome. But I like the room I'm in right now would probably be, at least in my own house, the best candidate for a VR room. And I'm not sure I'm personally willing to take that step. I'm really glad that my buddy went ahead and bought a Vive and and has a really, really good space for it and is letting his friends come over and play it. Because uh, to answer your question, I, I honestly don't know if that's something that I would get for myself and play all the time. Right now, the games are neat, but none of them really have like longevity. They're the kind of stuff like that you're doing exactly what I did. Like where you go in, you play the game, but then after like a couple of hours, you're done. And you there's no like save game, come back to it later. I, I'm not sure my my ignorance of the VR catalogs is is showing at this point, but I'm not sure if there are any of those more persistent games out there for for VR stuff. I honestly don't know. So I, at least for right now, I'm quite frankly uncomfortable with using it for anything more than a LARF. I I think if I want to sit down and actually I just bought Mass Effect 2 for uh, for the Xbox 360 for $2, by the way. Ooh. And so I'm going to do what you said where I'm going to play it on the 360 and download the the DLC that'll make me that'll take me through all my choices that I wanted to do again. So I I don't know like I would never play that in VR I think right now. I that sort of immersion isn't an experience that I want yet. That may change going forward, but for right now I'm okay with the more arcadey VR stuff. And it'll be interesting to see like this technology looks really fun and awesome, but I wonder how many people are going to run into the same issue that the Connect had, which is I just don't have the space. I don't have the room. I don't have this. This is an expensive, well, 
VR is so much more expensive than the Kinect was, but even that was like, there's an expensive piece of technology that seems to be a gimmick, at least at first, you know? Yeah, so and, the, and I was talking to, when I was describing some of my experiences, I have a friend who lives in Brooklyn, and he his apartment really can't, or he feels like it couldn't support VR as it is right now. I disagree somewhat. I think you, for the, at least the games that I played, you don't need a big space. Like even, uh, I don't know that you've ever seen pictures of my battle station here, but I have my computer, I have my Xbox ar arranged in a little setup. If you were to just have the area that my setup is in and have a VR area like that, that would be just fine. You don't need a huge space for it. It helps, but a lot of the games you can teleport around in, so you can kind of point it somewhere and then be there, and that helps. But a lot of the other experiences you really you really don't need. Oh, one of the other games in the in the lab was a solar system simulator. Ooh. So all of the celestial bodies, all the planets in the solar system are sized to scale. Their orbits aren't. So, but you can still grab Jupiter and grab Earth, and they they are the same size relative to each other. And they also their orbits are also the same speed relative to each other. Mercury is a little son of a bitch to catch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I tossed toss that little hoe into the sun. I like the idea of turning the solar system into a bunch of action figures that I can smash against each yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. And I think that's one of the coolest things about VR. And I think some people have talked about is it. like, it, it's having toys again, especially with the Vive where it's really easy to interact with stuff with the two controllers that are sort of like, uh, acting as your hands mm -hmm. like even in the menus and the kind of like main area for the lab as you beat games some of those items like come onto a table and so you could use them in the lab and that was that was tons of fun and and that's an application that you could have it's like a virtual playroom where you have all these toys but then instead of just the airplane like kind of like oh i'm playing with the airplane you could let it go and it would do something else very cool yeah it was it was neat I hope the technology continues to evolve and it turns from uh, a, something, you know, that's kind of like a, a fun play thing into a more fully fledged experience. But I have to be honest, of all of the, the VR stuff that's come out, it's it continues to be the, the Microsoft HoloLens, the AR stuff that gets me really excited. Yeah, and I could definitely see that. There was... You can sort of do AR stuff with the Vive. You can basically turn on its camera and use that. Yeah. I actually was, I turned that on and then was Snapchatting and tweeting as I had the headset on. It, it I can't, <laughs> I thought I would type really well when I had that thing on. It can see the phone surprisingly well. It was sort of this weird, like, stylized AR. Uh, yeah. It, that was neat. Uh, the other thing that, that, uh, the buddy mentioned who had it was that you could use it for meetups. Like you could meet up in a virtual space. So let's say you can't go to PAX East. Well, at PAX East, they may have an area with VR helmets and you can interact with people that are there in a VR uh, meeting space, which hmm. again is kind of creepy. And I don't know that I would want to do that, especially if it wasn't with friends, but like, just because, it, it, for me, something like that would still be as good as a phone call. Like, I'll say, like I'll let, say let's this. say if Martha decided to call me while she was on the show floor, that would yeah. be the same experience as Martha getting on a VR headset and then us talking in, in a virtual space. So that may not be the best example of that use. I will say this. There already is semi-virtual tabletop stuff. Could you imagine us doing Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks and where instead of logging in and having the cameras and everything you got onto your VR headset and then before you is a table and next to you are your friends and at the end of the table is the DM and so you're immersed in everybody sitting around the same table having that experience of you know as close to a holodeck as we can get instead of having to look at a screen having to look at a camera I look to my right and I see you you know, I roll dice on the table and we can all see the dice rolling on the table. I can create a map that you can see in 3D and look around and move things on. You know, that kind of that kind of virtual interaction 
uh, is one of the few things that excites me about. It's not actually any of the games. I'm not that interested in the game stuff. I would be more interested in I'm going to put on this headset and it's going to have the speakers and it's going to transport me to a room where I can now sit at a table with my friends and play D&D or I can, you know, do anything in where being in the physical space with somebody helps. It's that next step that bridges the gap between Skype. You know, imagine if we could do Glibshark this way instead of it having to be over Skype and not being able to see each other. Now we can sit around microphones and actually have that physical interaction at least somewhat. I have had that experience before. I've actually, my first VR experience in this new generation was at BGGCon and they had several Oculus Rifts set up in a... And I can't remember if it was developed by Wizards of the Coast or it was another company developing it for Wizards of the Coast, but it was mm. exactly that. It was a virtual... Is that Ulta VR, I think it's called? I, I, don't, I don't remember, but um, I was not impressed. Mm. It sucked. And wow. that actually speaks to a point that I should have made while I, I was talking about the VR stuff. One of the reasons why you can kind of get done in a couple of hours is that it's exhausting. Like wearing that headset all the time, I would not want to want to do that, and I would not want to get comfortable for it. I've actually, I've when when we did the VR experience at BGGCon with that virtual tabletop deal, I mm -hmm. told my friends afterward, I'm not impressed. Do you know why? Because I can load up a website, Roll20.net, and get a better experience. Well, that's too bad. Hopefully. Your your issues with the being exhausted because of the headset, that's that's a very viable thing. I would like to think that software and the um the actual the actual software they would use could improve enough that maybe that experience would be desirable though. Maybe, but honestly, I like the fact that all we see is a camera. I, I like the limitations because I think it forces us to use our imaginations a bit more. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with with the experience that Roll20 delivers. I think Roll20, uh, not and we're in no way sponsored by Roll20, by the way, but <laughs> I just can't say enough good things about that application, about that site. Because like I said, I think even if you get to the level where like the lab and some of those other VR games are with a virtual tabletop space, I still wouldn't want to do it. I, I'm in, lucky enough that I'm in a position to where I can play real games with real people. And I still don't see that taking the place of, like, say, loading up Destiny and playing that versus putting on your VR headset, getting it all, making sure you have a space, and then, and then playing games in a virtual space. That may change. As the technology improves and it becomes maybe less burdensome, and maybe when I don't have many as many local friends as I do, mm -hmm. I, I could maybe see that taking off. But as it stands right now, it's one, the the experience isn't there yet. And two, it's the experience is wholly unnecessary, especially with things with easier and more accessible things like Roll20 that, in my opinion, do the job as well or better. And it's interesting that you say that, and, and also to Roll20's credit, because we use a tiny fraction of what Roll20 can do. And that's by design. I wanted like the, the visual stuff that I can do in Roll20 if I, if I had the time or the inclination to dig deep into it, the mapping, the um, just all of the stuff, still for free, without even becoming a premium member, that I could do with Roll20 is, is just absolutely outstanding and then we keep it simple mostly because i i want i like it simple and i want the listening audience to not miss out on too much uh but yeah roll 20 we heartily endorse roll 20 they may not sponsor us but hey you never know yeah all right well I, we will have to keep an eye on vr in the future i would i would like to think that as if it's successful enough for the technology to continue to evolve if this isn't the virtual boy but it actually is successful, then maybe one day something will come out that'll change your mind and we'll be doing Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks in VR. Who knows? Well, one thing, and, and this is going to be my final remark on the whole thing, I, I think VR definitely will have its place, but I don't want to do VR things 
that already don't really benefit from VR, like playing a board game in VR. That's, hmm. I, I want to, and I think that's one of the reasons why I liked like the lab and, and tilt brush as much as I did is because those are specially experience, special experiences crafted just for VR. And that yeah. is where I think that's the experience that I'm looking for. I'm looking for an experience unique to VR. What can I do in VR that I can't do anywhere else? And right now, I can play a board game with my friends. I don't need VR to do that. I don't, and, and, and speaking to some of the other games, like as much fun as like Space Pirate Trainer and, um, and like the archery game in the lab were, I don't need VR to do first person shooters either. But what I do want VR for are experiences that, that, that VR is capable of deliver, delivering something different. And I, think, hmm. and I think that stuff like that transcends things like virtual D&D and virtual tabletop and, and some of those other, in my opinion, more mundane deals. Which is probably why I'm more excited about the AR stuff that Microsoft is doing with the HoloLens. Because for me, the stuff that makes me excited is like, all right, I'm going to put on these glasses and I'm going to be able to project this video onto my wall instead of having to be by the TV. I'm going to be able to take it with me anywhere. I'm going to be able to lay in bed and watch TV. I'm going to have a, a virtual TV on the outside of my peripheral vision showing a, a cooking show that I can then easily follow along with as I'm in the kitchen. Um, I want a, an AR experience where, all right, I've got friends who are not in the state who I want to play D&D with. And so instead of, you know, and so now it just looks like they're there in my living room and they can see, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, that's all well and good. I had a much more traditional uh, gaming experience. Luke and I downloaded uh, The Wolf Among Us, which was free on Games with Gold last month. We have been playing through King's Quest, the new King's Quest in chunks together. And, but that's been coming out episode by episode and it's been taking several months. But Wolf Among Us came out as a big giant pack and it was free and we're like, Hey, why not? Let's play this. I've played a couple different Telltale games and not not all of them. I played through the first Walking Dead um, and I'm blanking on the other one I played. But um, so I was kind of aware of the, the way that those games work, but I wasn't very, um, neither of us were very familiar with the Fable comics that Wolf Among Us is based on. So we've recently finished the final episode. We'd been kind of doing once a week, once every other week, got through the final episode. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say this. The first couple episodes were intriguing and interesting, and it continued to be intriguing and interesting, but we reached the point in where we could see the seams. And for a game that is ostensibly about a choose your own adventure path. All right, you're going to make these decisions and these decisions are going to have an impact on your story. There were, the further along we got in the game, the more often we could see, oh wait, this decision isn't really going to change anything. Um, even what sounded like fairly major decisions that would have life-changing consequences. Uh, there's one at the very beginning of the fifth episode and where Luke literally said, it doesn't matter which we pick. The, the outcome is going to be the same. And I uh, disagreed with him. I'm like, well, but look, you know, this one, this happened. They seem to be three totally divergent things. And sure enough, at the end of the, the episode, Luke was absolutely right. The outcome, not only was the outcome the same, but because of what we had picked, it was incredibly obvious that it was the same. So the whole experience was a little frustrating because we went in hoping for a choose your own adventure book and felt a lot more railroaded than we really wanted to be. Uh, that being said, I still thought it was a lot of fun. It had some great voice acting. It had a lot of fun moments. It's not a difficult game by far. And it did actually get me a little interested in checking out the comic series. I was interested enough in the world and what was going on to want to actually take a look at the comics. So I'll, I'll probably go pick those up. So definitely if anyone's listening to this and have some suggestions on um, if this is a long running comic series where I should jump in. Yeah. I've been spoiled on a couple of the, uh, on a couple of the major points, so I won't go into them, but it, it, it 
annoyed me that Disney bought up the rights or the TV rights for Fables and then turned it into Once Upon a Time, which kind yeah. of goes and and kind of keeps those same themes. But Fables did some things that I thought were really badass. So I'm I was very disappointed that basically Once Upon a Time is like mini live action Disney and and not much else. Yeah. But anyway, if you picked it up while it was free on gold, go for it. If you didn't pick it up, um, if you like that kind of tell- telltale style adventure, I do recommend it. But just, you know, be aware that it's it's not as free form and open world as you think. So I have a funny story about something that I did today. Um, go for it. I, for those of you who've been listening for a while, I am doing scuba lessons now in preparation for some trips that I'm going to be taking and that I'm really excited for. So I've been doing these lessons and we finally got into the pool uh, last Thursday and then uh, and then t- tonight. And one of the reasons why you didn't hear the show last Tuesday was because we were under a severe thorn watch. Thorn watch. No, storm watch. <laughs> Not thorn watch. Thorn watch is a different a completely thing. Completely different game. <laughs> but uh, we were under a severe storm watch and, and possible tornadoes and stuff. So... And a quick aside to that, Friday ended up being the really bad day of weather. I had to drive home in hail and hearing tornado cool. sirens go off outside my car as I was driving down the road. Not good. Not a fun experience, but we came through it okay. We didn't see much damage. But Tuesday w- was one of the reasons why we didn't have the show was because we were under this threat and I didn't want to maybe just like be recording the show and then all of a sudden lose power. I, d- I didn't want to do that. But so anyway, so we... that lesson that was scheduled for that day got rescheduled to today and we did it in a a friend of our dive instructor's pool so it's like basically a backyard pool a really nice backyard pool but it was fucking cold fortunately they had wetsuits so we didn't we didn't die but it was still not a not a fun experience but my instructor had told me something about scuba munchies which is apparently a thing like after you've after you've you've done scuba, it's physical exertion, it's breathing uh, compressed air for a while. You just get really hungry, and also it's just not a good idea to eat before you go into the pool. So you, it's probably been a while since you've eaten. Once you mm. start the thing, I had five guys that I picked up on the way home, fucking destroyed it. <laughs> I got the double the the bacon cheeseburger and an order of fries and ate most of it, and I'm enjoying an Ace Pear cider. Well, there you go. There you go, Scuba munchies. Learn to scuba, eat all the things. My fun experience for today was that uh, Luke got a fabulous deal on an incredible printer that is huge. It is mass. The the printer is larger than me. I'm not exaggerating. And uh, if you go search my Twitter, I actually tweeted out a picture. Uh, We now have these two giant printers in, in our apartment. And they've taken up our living room, and they're kind of insanely big. Uh, we have a, a picture up on the stream. And from Luke's Facebook, from what I understand, he got them at a city surplus deal and fixed it by removing a broken zip tie from one of the machines and put yep. it back together and started working. Yep, the giant, giant, giant one to his... So the one to his right we've had for a little bit, and we got from a... Basically brand new from a guy who just said... If you can get this out of my house, it's yours. We we paid, I think, 200 bucks for it, but it's like a $2,000 printer. And so we've had that for a little while. The The one we got today, you're exactly right, from his Facebook, it was a, a surplus. He showed up. Um, it is It was labeled as broken, and I'm now telling his story while he sits across from me. Um, and yeah, it was basically a zip tie, and it just needed a good cleaning, which it still needs like an intense cleaning. We're gonna go get stuff for that later. But uh, how much does this printer usually cost? It's usually a three thousand dollar printer, and he got it for fifty bucks and a cleaning. Very nice. And it's huge. The thing is massive. So our living room basically is an office at this moment, and it's kind of both terrifying and awesome. Yep, and uh, the picture is up on the stream uh, for those of you who are curious. Yeah, and there it is, the massive, massive printer. I joked that we didn't have a banana for scale, and so there's a Luke. And because of the angle that I took this at, it actually looks bigger than Luke. This this printer is is amazingly large. 
Um, it's apparently 150 pounds. It came with the little. I'm sorry, 150 kilograms. Um, it ca- comes with its own little. Oh, Luke's gonna actually take the picture with the banana. <laughs> uh, so check Luke McKay's Twitter. Um, it it comes on a a uh, cart with wheels, and it's it's surprisingly quiet. I'll say that. So I, in order to get the picture from your text to the stream, I uploaded it to Imgur. Okay. And so it had some comments, apparently. Oh, go ahead and read those comments. Here, okay. The question is, what is Luke printing? And that's from Anal Falafel Shock. Well, Anal Falafel Shock. Uh, there was Imgur downvoting by what a fuck a fuck a fuck a something i don't know fox i think it's okay uh you wouldn't print a lightsaber would you luke and saber is spelled that weird b s-a-b-r-e yeah uh luke needs a bigger printer and then the final one from bob vila i don't believe this is actually bob vila so what well that's right metallica so fucking what okay so to answer the one actual question of what is luke printing Specifically, that printer, the big giant one that we just bought that's on the left of the picture, is for printing books. It is a high-volume, high-quality book. Well, it, it prints a lot of things, but he specifically got it for books. The printer on the left is a large-format printer, and it does posters and other things. But yeah, it is so that he can print out uh, balls to that books and any other printed material in, in wonderful color at a cheap cost so that he can pass the savings on to you so go buy his stuff and so that'll show up on his, in his store and i would also imagine in any appearances he makes yes which will be at rtx which before we go into game of thrones spoilers we should very quickly say we should not say only, that not only will luke mckay be at uh at rtx at the rooster teeth convention with his his funness especially now he's got this printer but we are also going to be at rtx officially our yep. panel, both the Glib Shark panel and the Dungeons and Dragons and Trunks panel, have both been approved. The time and day specifically are still TBD and TBA and WTF. But <laughs> and BBQ. But the the word has come down that they have been approved. So check those out. Watch our Twitter at Glib Shark, at Dungeon Drunks, and and all of our personal Twitters at OboCrazy, at Jack Edithel and at road underscore block. We'll keep you informed. We'll let you know what's happening. As usual, I may be making appearances on other panels and that information will be coming soon uh, as soon as we have it. Nice. All right. So with these last couple minutes, shall we go into the Game of Thrones? I am. Let me set my timer here. And for those of you who are not interested in hearing about Game of Thrones spoilers. We appreciate you listening up to this point, but Thank you. from from now on, we're we're from this point on, we're going to be doing Game of Thrones spoilers. So you you have been warned. Thank you for episodes one and two of Game for of episodes Thrones one matters. and two of season six. So thank you for so much for coming out. Uh, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Okay, now Game of Thrones spoilers. Oh my god, I'm I am not happy. I am. I really want to hear why. I, so the thing that everybody's been talking about that we all expected to happen, happened. Melisandre brought Jon Snow back to life. And yes, that happened in episode two. Uh, it was the very last thing that happened. Yes. Um, I don't actually mind that it, I mean, I'm a little annoyed that it happened. Um, what I don't like is the fact that they've spent the last two episodes cloyly dancing around it like maybe 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 oh well oh and then she's gonna do this thing and then maybe and like taking forever for it to actually happen like i just felt like it was a giant uh it was the producers and the showrunners and everybody like making fun of the the audience who had been speculating that this might happen for forever so it just it felt overwrought and the whole time Luke and I are watching it going, yeah, all right, either don't do it or do it, but don't keep playing with the idea already. You know, we've got too many other characters and too much other shit going on to spend five minutes looking longingly at the dead face of Jon Snow waiting for him to take a breath. I, I see where you're coming from. I think that 
they had to get some story bits in. They had to address Melisandre not being Melisandre and kind of the consequences of losing two people that she believed were going to save the world. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, for her character arc, it was very important to show that impact. And we definitely got that from the end of episode one, where you saw the real Melisandre uh, yep. without the magic. And uh, that was an incredible moment of, of vulnerability for the character, given everything that happened. They probably could have could have gotten rid of a few scenes, but I think it was important that they that they covered a few things. They needed to have Melisandre go from being totally defeated to actually wanting to help. They had to show the recovery of the of Castle Black from the traitors that killed Jon Snow, and they had to show uh, Sir Davos kind of taking charge. And I think they probably could have done that a little bit more concisely, but I think they did an okay job given all the explanations and the fact that, like you said, you knew it was going to happen. It was Chekhov's Red God uh, uh, resurrection. So you, I was hoping it's been it seen, and you knew that resurrection was going to happen. I totally hoped it didn't. I really did. Because, like, we're... I love the fact that this series with a a few tiny exceptions is past the books. And so I don't know what's going to happen, but I really was hoping that he wasn't going to be brought back. I I was hoping that they were going to play with that expectation and that either she was going to fail or that she wasn't even going to try that this, you know, but I do agree with you that like showing that these last two episodes showing bits of her vulnerability, um, have helped a little bit do what this show has always been very good at, which is taking characters that when you first meet them, you fucking despise and are awful, horrible people. And slowly over time or very quickly with, with very defining moments, making them not so horrible and making them be human and understandable. I mean, Jamie Lannister is a perfect example of that. He, if you just watch the first half of season one, he is a horrible, despicable, hated human being. And I think it's, it is very much that now he's a much more nuanced character that a lot of people really like and think of him as one of the heroes of this story. So taking the time to make her not be, oh shit, this is the woman that has caused all of this, these horrible things to happen that pushed Stannis to make these horrible decisions, including the burning of his own daughter and do enough to give her a moment of, oh shit, I kind of feel something about for this woman now. Like that's to the show's credit. Yeah, I'll give him and, that. And I, I'm really glad that, that we're to the point where I, I more or less don't know what happened. I, obviously, I know kind of where Arya's story is going because they've kind of overtaken that in the books. Uh, they haven't overtaken that in the show yet. Yeah. They haven't, There's not much left, though. There I mean, isn't much left. They're catching I, up super fast. I don't like Jamie's redemption arc in the show versus Jamie's redemption arc in the books. I think his the book one is way better, and he comes farther. I yeah. I do like how the show is just is just saying, you know what? Fuck everything. We're gonna kill. I, I we're gonna kill all the all the Martells. All the Martells <laughs> are gonna die. And I, I was a little disappointed that we we're not gonna see the the player that that uh, Doran Martell was in the yeah. books. Like he had this this long con going. And it was really cool to kind of like wonder where that was going to go, especially with Ariana Martell and that whole storyline. But we're not getting any of that. And they definitively put a nail in that coffin by killing both Duran and Tristane, which yeah. poor Tristane, but, but you know. I was, I was actually surprised when I saw him on the boat because I could have sworn that he was coming back with Jamie and, um, oh, I've just lost her name, the daughter. Uh, Marcel, Marcella. Marce- Marcella. I completely thought that they were all together and I was actually looking forward in a weird way to the moment in where he has to confront what the Sand Snakes have done and what, you know, what is the murder of this girl and 
um, be away from them. Like I could totally, I, I was actually expecting him to then stay at, um, on King's Landing and essentially reverse the whole, well, you know, you had Marcella and now we've got him, but he's staying willingly. And so it was, it, that was actually a little disappointing that they just killed him off. But yeah, I think for, for that story, they've got a different way that that story is going. And it's, I'm not necessarily against that because I, the, the Martell storyline in the books was not one that I was incredibly interested in, to be honest. Yeah. And, and someone pointed out that Tristane Martell was one of the few nice people left in the entire story. Like, honest to goodness, like, pure-hearted, what you would think would be like a noble knight kind of guy was Tristan Martell, yeah. and now he's dead. Uh, well, you know who's left, and this was pointed out in another article that I saw. Um, the... Oh, I've just lost her name. The the one who is now helping uh, Sansa. God, why can't I remember her name? Oh, uh, Brienne. Brienne of Tarth. Brienne, Brienne of Tarth. Okay, no, you, she's she yeah, she's she's a good one. That was she, a great scene. Yes. That was awesome. And go Podrick for kicking some ass. I fucking love Podrick Payne. He's one of my favorite characters. And I was really glad to see him right in with uh with uh with Brienne and Fight. That that was great. And and fight well. Like yes. I was kind of expecting him to be our, the bumbling you know, not knowing what he's doing. The fact that he not only held his own, but was fairly successful. He got a kill. He he not only got a kill, he managed to not get killed and he managed yeah. to save, a, you know, he did really well. So I, I was really glad to see that that is a strength of his. But yeah, when, when it comes down to a character that's left in the show that really you have nothing but sympathy for who has done nothing really wrong and has nothing but the, the best of intentions and they are really the best of intentions. She's it. Yeah. She is a hundred percent it. Like even as much as I'm kind of rooting for Daenerys to be the person that wins this whole game of Thrones thing, even Daenerys has fucked up a couple times and isn't necessarily, you know, like her, she's got kind of this selfish quest going to take back the Iron Throne. Brienne is just there to serve people. So I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm total Brienne of Tarth. I'm I did, her all the way. Speaking of, of people dying unexpectedly, these high lords and stuff. Uh, so the, um, we finally got the death of, of, uh, Balin Greyjoy. Yes. At the hand of someone who may or may not be either Victorian or uh, Euron Greyjoy. Probably a combination of the two, uh, seeing how the show's been going. And then Well, we and not, not a character we've met in the show yet. Right. Well, and, and that's that's in keeping with the books, because we had also yes. not met either Victorian or Euron in in the books until the King's Mood. But we've heard about them. And the like in the books, at least, because like I had to turn to Luke and say, we haven't we haven't met him yet. Right. Because I, I it's been a while since I've read the book. Uh, so we, we hadn't really heard it. Like I said, it was all Feast of Crow stuff. So it was all as soon as the King's Moot happened, Euron comes out and says, oh, I have this dragon horn. And then he sends Victorian to go and grab Daenerys from Marine. So we really hadn't heard of them until they showed up in the story either, but that was after the King's Moot. And yeah. in comparison with the books, Balin Greyjoy died a lot later. A lot sooner. No, a lot no, later, in, yeah. yeah in, in the books, he died in Storm of Swords, and it was yeah. off camera. And no, I, I'm agreeing with you. I was just, I was going in the opposite direction. Right. Um, we got five minutes, so I, I did want to bring up the, uh, uh, let's see, Obviously, we're gonna be we're gonna be seeing a lot of cool stuff. Jon Snow is back, yay hype! Next, week. I'm interested in to see now that he's back. He because of the position that he's in, he has, and especially if uh, Sansa and Brienne show up, he has all the reason in the world to stay as the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Except especially, he has died. Except he has, he's that's he's died. He has and died, so and his watch is he has, watch is ended. So now that, that doesn't necessarily mean that he'll immediately be like, fuck you guys, I'm going home. Uh, although depending on what they decide to do with the, the traitors, he might, I don't know, but I'm, I will be very interested to see, you know, what his path does now that he, he has a very good reason to be able to say, fuck you, I'm going home. Yeah. It, 
so anyway, but, but aside from that, the thing I wanted to mention um, was the preview for next week. And I, it's something that I'm really excited about. And with Bran's ability to see the past, we're going oh, to the see Tower of Joy. the Tower of Joy. And, and we're going to see Ned Stark. We're going to see Howland Reed take on uh, Arthur Dane and the rest of the, those Kingsguard badasses. Like, all three of the Kingsguard that are at the Tower of Joy are legends. But Arthur Dane was the legendary, legend of legends. And... We know what happens. He loses. Ned Stark wins, and we get to see that. I am so fucking excited. Um, I am. I'm excited to see that because I think the, the show has consistently done fight sequences well. Now that they've brought back Jon Snow, I think the outcome of what might happen, uh, of what you might find out about Jon Snow's parentage, will be less of a shock. Right, and I think. They're definitely going that direction, especially since we have seen, like, we've seen Lysa. We've seen, is it Lysa or Lyanna? Or uh, Lyanna, you're right. Lysa was. Lysa was uh, Lysa Tully. Yeah. Um, we have seen Lyanna, and we have, we have had hints, like last season when uh, Sansa and Littlefinger were in the crypts of Winterfell, and they were first talking about this, and I'm like, they're discussing this in the show. They're discussing this in the show. And the look that Littlefinger gives Sansa when she's like, Rhaegar raped and murdered, or raped Lyanna and kidnapped her. And, and Littlefinger just gives her this look like, sure he did. Yeah. You just keep believing that. And now we're, we're going to see important bits of that. And starting with actually have seen Lyanna Stark. Well, it'll be interesting. I'm, I have to say... I'm less interested in that part of the show than I am about some others. Uh, even with knowing some of what could happen with Arya, I've I've always been excited about her storyline. So I'm excited to see more of her training. Um, I'm definitely excited to see um, what goes on with Brienne. Um, what if and when they get Sansa to Castle Black, and what happens there when we finally get at least two of the three surviving. Uh, four surviving Starks back together again because it has been an incredibly long time since any of them have known that anyone else is alive and on top of that are going to have the chance to actually meet up. It's been since I think the end of season one, right? Because we, I mean, there, there was has... a couple close calls, but not like actual reunions. You are very right. I think that. The only two Starks that were around each other were Rickon and Bran. Yes. And now that's not even a thing. So uh, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. We are in exciting times, and I can't wait to see you fucking next week. It's going to be so <laughs> rad. I, it, is, it is one of the things. I, I, I'm obviously excited for, for Game of Thrones because we, we talk about it a lot. But, but knowing what we're going to get next week, I am just absolutely thrilled. And good or bad... I that this is what makes me excited about Game of Thrones is I enjoy being part of the discussion. Absolutely. And and it's one of like and, and I just love to, to talking to everyone about it. I talk to get to talk to you here. Uh I spent an hour talking to talking to a friend after the after the show actually got done and just just bouncing stuff off of each other like oh is this happening or or what's going on with this? Oh yeah, you're right. This this happened. Uh, it's just it's just so good. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll do this. We'll keep doing this. Um, I think, I think it's, it's fair to say that for the next eight weeks, we're going to have these little discussions at the end of Glib Shark. So just that's something to be ready for. Yep. And yep, we are yep, right yep. on time in, in getting done with that. But uh, as we said at the end of the uh, show proper, you can catch her at Ovo Crazy on Twitter, me at wrote underscore block, and sir not appearing in this uh, podcast, Jack Edithel at... Jack Edithel. And you can find us glibshark.com. Don't forget our Twitters at glibshark, at Dungeon Drunks. And we have a YouTube channel. And we have our podcast showing up on you, on our YouTube channel. So search Glibshark uh, on YouTube and subscribe and and give us a listen. We we That's a space that we want to expand on and, uh, and with your help we can do that. Yay. Yay. But for all of us here at the show, thank you for listening. Thank you for spending time with us. And we will see you next week. Bye.
I love how every time I say bye, whenever we do this, I insist on waving, even though no one can see me wave. <laughs> I literally just did. I went bye and I waved. That's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five-star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at GlibShark. You can even drop us a line, GlibShark at gmail.com. Until next week, stay sharky, my friends. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.